Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. You just when they thought it was safe to play ya, hit him with the NIC to K ya. I'm Tinker Bell, he's Peter Paya. To these rap bitches, I'm Mother Maya. I wanna know why you waste your time on these rap hoes that don't write they brain. Get a can of Sprite with a twist of lion. Money, 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 always on my mind. Who color purple? No, I'm not stealing. We run New York like we play relay. My flight took off, yours has been delayed. Give it to them early bitches. So don't be late Playtime is over When I spit bars My mixtape bring All the boys to the yard All the boys want Nikki. All the boys want mine All the boys say they love me Yeah, they love me a long time Yes, I'm the girl Like they heard her I commit murder I body bitches I don't need a burner Queens, oh yes, I rap queens Little white tea Plus them tight jeans I make it hard for these chicks to breathe Wrist on squeeze I freeze up my sleeve We getting money like it broke on trees Stay on my cues I stay on my P's After I'm done Then you will acknowledge I'm the president Never win to college, I'm a bad bitch, I don't need no stylist. Tell a bitch hollers when she get my dollars. Bitches talk shit, but what is you saying? Got the illest dude in the game, speaking my name. I'm the one, I'm the one you heard me sing. Number they stitched on a Grady jersey. If I show you how to do it, would you reimburse me? Let me put on my pumps, let me grab my skirt. See, I ain't such a little lady, let me do my curtsy. Fuck a dry piss a bitch, cause I know she thirsty. We don't funk with racism. People who don't support the LGBTQ plus community. And baby, we damn sure don't fuck with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen, baby. You see this tape? You don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white? It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric podcast. I got one of Starva's favorite in the motherfucking building. Mm, that's right. I, I got uh the one who holds Stark V alone her motherfucking back, mm-hmm. you know, Alex Alexandria Gray. How you doing today? I'm good, bitch. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm trying to tell the people that you ain't cut from any old cloth, baby. Mm-mm. You cut from kente cloth, mm-hmm. if you will. To be specific. Bandana paper. Mm-hmm. Steel wool. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that for you. I want to say congratulations to you for uh, receiving your master bachelor. Uh, I appreciate it, bitch. Yeah. How it feel to be the smartest bitch in the room? Oh. Uh. <laughs> Girl, feel the same. <laughs> okay. Well, today we are here to talk about uh, womanism. We're going to be talking about femininity as well as uh, womanism versus feminism. I consider myself a womanist. Um, that's who I am. Yes. And I know that that term is not very well understood. Mm-hmm. Um in the black community, but especially outside of the black yeah. community. So I just wanted to have this conversation because, you know, if I can't talk to my sister, then who can I talk to? Point of man, Morgan. I don't know. But, you know, today I just was, I just wanted to tell the community that we are some nice young ladies. Uh-huh. And it just needs to be uh, publicized uh-huh. and never criticized. We just display feminism and womanhood a little different from uh-huh. other people. Yeah, and ain't nothing wrong with that at all. No, no. Anything no. we the model. Hey, hey, blueprint if you will. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go and get into it. I know, I know. 
and she's so fucking feminine and ladylike. She's such a fucking lady. Yes, I am. So let's start off with a broad definition of womanism, and we're going to talk about how womanism differs from feminism, okay? So womanism is like a social theory and a movement that seeks to center the experience and the perspectives of black women and girls and to challenge the ways that racism, sexism, and other forms of oppression kind of interact with each other in order to produce negative stereotypes and marginalization. So feminism, also known as white feminism, also seeks to challenge gender-based oppression and white and womanism is distinguished by the focus of a unique experience and the perspectives of black women. And it is emphasized on community, spirituality, and social justice. I've seen a lot of discussion going around about the differences between mainstream feminism and womanism. So I wanted to make a quick video describing what those differences are briefly. So let's first talk about mainstream feminism, which more often equates to white feminism, which as the name sounds, tends to center the experiences of white women as being the universal experiences of all women. This type of feminism tends to lack intersectional focus, only focusing on gender depression and often ignoring the overlap between racial oppression and gender oppression that women of color face. All right, and so what is womanism then? Womanism textbook definition is a form of feminism that emphasizes women's natural contributions to society. Womanists are considered to be holistically oriented, focusing on oppression of race, class, and gender. As a note, womanists typically are black feminists or women of color in general. So the biggest difference to take away here is that womanism tends to focus more on various modes of oppression, whereas mainstream feminism tends to focus on one, i.e. gender oppression. So when we talk about um, womanism, Alex, you have to understand that Without the flaws of white femininity, there would be no womanism because womanism came from the things that feminists were doing completely wrong. Yeah, but I, I agree with that, but I also feel like it's not just the result of the problems within the feminist movement. It was a larger issue going on with just racism in general. That's very true. But the reason why the movement womanism was, was created yeah, yeah, yeah. was because of the lack of mm -hmm. inclusion of all women in the struggles that everybody face, not just white women, not just the majority of women. I agree. Yeah. So um, when we think about feminism, I guess, um, you know, feminism has come in waves. So a lot of people are saying that we're on the fifth wave of feminism and it's called digital feminism. Um, and you can see a lot of it with, um, what the white girlies are doing right now. You know, the whole, um, boss, boss bitch aesthetic. That's the, um, new wave of feminism. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what I I'm. I don't keep up with them, girl. Oh, well, you know, that's a little bit of my business. That's oh, okay. what I like to do. All right. Yeah. I be keeping up with the Caucasians. So when we're looking into it, what I'm learning is that we are in late stage capitalism and because we're in late stage capitalism, define late stage capitalism. Bitch, that's a big, that's a big ax of you. I'm, I apologize. Okay. I'll try to I do my best. I know if I'm wondering the, li the, the listeners wondering. Well, 
So we live in a capitalist society, mm-hmm. which means that our society is driven on the production of goods and the commodities and be able to make it, to be able to make money off of those goods and commodities, right? So we are in a point in America where things are failing because capitalism was not created to be sustainable for a long period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So you, we are currently seeing the crash of a lot of different banks. Uh, we are seeing um, inflation at a mass rate right so this is what is defined as late stage capitalism where things are getting to like an explosive point where um people who are in the poverty sector below the poverty line are like really losing out and those who are rich are consuming the wealth they're hoarding the wealth they're hoarding goods right so because of late stage capitalism it is forcing feminists to be um individualist so that means that the mindsets of feminism is rooted in what i want right okay so it's the individuality that is a problem within feminism and as womanists or people who participate in womanism they think about the collective yeah okay mm-hmm. and that's i can a, see that for sure mm-hmm. and it is something that we have historically done and um Although I said that womanism came from feminism or the failures thereof, there is proof that womanism or this idea of womanism, which again is rooted in community, spirituality, and social justice, were happening way before what Seneca Falls. Mm -hmm. It was actually proof of black women supporting the community, thinking about um, spirituality, in the 19th century, in the 1800s, mm-hmm. writing books on community, on God and family. Yeah. When people narrate the history of the emergence of womanist thought in general and of womanist biblical scholarship and theology in particular, they tend to narrate it in the same way that they narrate the emergence of black feminist thought. That is to say, as a reactionary corrective measure against something that was happening in predominantly white middle class spaces in a related field. For example, people will say towards the end of second wave feminism, feminists started fighting amongst themselves about a number of irreconcilable issues. They couldn't decide what to do about sex work and pornography, hence the feminist sex wars, and they couldn't really decide how best to theorize about transgenderism. So in each of these cases, liberal feminists went one way and radical feminists tended to go another way. But both liberal and radical feminists struggled with what to do and how to fruitfully incorporate and listen to the voices of women of color. Both the liberal and the radical feminist movements were largely white, middle-class women's movements that were largely inattentive to issues of race and class. And black feminism emerged as a response to that. For example, the Combahee River Collective, the black women's consciousness-raising group that gave us the term identity politics, explicitly cites the failures of white second-wave feminism in their closing statement as a reason for why they were going another way in their activism. The work of black feminists then, like Kimberly Crenshaw and Patricia Hill Collins, would go on to be foundational for third wave feminism. Narrated in this way, black feminism really only exists as a result of the failures of a largely white second wave feminism. People will do the same thing when they narrate the history of womanist theology and biblical interpretation. They'll say, look, we have here feminist theology. Feminist theology is largely white and middle class. Feminist theology is struggling to account for race and class issues. It's struggling to listen to the voices of women of color. So womanist theology and biblical interpretation, again, emerges as a reactionary corrective measure against what's happening in feminist theology. 
Again, no failures in feminist theology, no womanist theology. Nyasha Jr.'s book says, no, that's not how that happened. Let me set the record straight. Jr.'s book shows how contemporary womanist biblical interpretation actually has roots that go as far back as, if not farther than, the beginning of the 19th century. She surveys a number of spiritual autobiographies written by African-American women in the 19th century that feature womanist theology's signature method. And this is the method of explicitly using black women's experience to interpret the Bible for political activism and social and material liberation. Nyasha Jr.'s book allows us to narrate the history and the methodology of womanist theology and biblical interpretation in a way that's authentically black and in a way that's entirely independent of other kinds of theology and biblical interpretation out there. Now, one thing I think is important when we're talking about this concept of womanism is the fact that womanism challenges Eurocentric notions of feminism. And it does this by centering the experiences and perspectives of black women. And it also does this by emphasis, emphasizing the importance of what I just told you, community, spirituality, as well as social justice. So I did want to hear your opinions on how womanism challenges Eurocentric notions and ideology. So feminism does a good job of highlighting the problems within gender roles like um differences in gender the gender gap the wage gap also like reproductive rights women rights as far as getting a divorce and things like that but womanism does a better job of including all women noticing problems within cultural cultural traditions and things like that like you know i it's interesting that you brought that up simply because um, a lot of the things that womanism challenges is like being like systematically systematically removed by the government right now. Mm -hmm. Like um, about a year ago, we got um, abortion rights ripped away from us mm -hmm. and it therefore made all women in this country second class citizens. Um, right now we're currently seeing um, no, vault, no fault divorces being talked about in different states and um, the drafts of different types of legislation being brought up. Um, removing women's rights to be able to um, get a divorce amicably because there is no reason behind, you know, just not wanting to be married. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of revealing to me how important society needs, how, how much society needs black women during this time period, mm -hmm. but how much black women are being forced out of these spaces. Yes. I think the example you just brought up about abortion rights is a great example of showing like the difference between womanism and feminism. Like, yes, the abortions being taken away is a, a female issue. But when you see who would be impacted most is women of color It's women from low income housing and things like that, marginalized groups. And you see, how the detriment of, of that decision is more impactful to those groups than to women um, of no color and who have the means to get abortions um, in different ways. So I think that's a great example of showing how, why womanism is so important specifically because it's so many left out groups of women 
who wouldn't have a voice with that womanism because feminism doesn't cater to their needs specifically. As well as to see like the contradiction in white women within feminism because so many white women will go against their own best uh-huh. will. Even women of color, specifically black women, will still vote with the group for the betterment of the mm-hmm. group and won't let, I, in most cases, religion or what other people think get in the way of what's good for the greater good and i think that is what's so important and needs to be um like emphasized Mm -hmm. when we are having these conversations because it is the individualistic thought behind it as well as the audacity because black women for the most part um, they won't even date a partner who doesn't agree with their own logistics and lifestyle. Uh-huh. That's why so many black men who aren't married to um black women because we're not going to deal with the foolishness. Yeah. But you see so many white women who will date and marry partners who won't what's bad for them in in a sense like they will date republican men who don't they don't give a fuck about them, their bodily autonomy or their reproductive rights. Yeah. Who can we blame for losing Roe v. Wade? I'll give you a good group of people that we can blame for losing Roe v. Wade, you guys. And it's not all of you, but it's a good portion of you. People we can blame for losing Roe v. Wade are white women. Yeah, I said it. You guys voted for Trump in one of the largest voting blocks for him. Then on top of that, his second election, the one he lost to Biden, white women voted for Trump in even larger numbers than they did the first time. So after the porn star payoffs, all of his um, political campaign associates going to prison, the Mueller report, all of that, white women still went out and voted for Trump in even greater numbers than they did the first time. And Trump put in judges that then took rights away from white women. And I have to tell you guys this, white women, you're such a good voting block, but you only vote your man or your dad's politics. And that's why you haven't had a president in over 200 years. And that's why you're losing your constitutional rights right now, because you vote for shitty people. I think what's most interesting about womanism is the fact that we also bring up issues that are specific to our community. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see womanists who are critiquing mainline mainstream feminism as a whole, but as well as like police brutality, um, things like, again, the wage gap. Because as we know, it is a wage gap between men and women, but then you start breaking it down between black women and white women, the gap, you know, differs even more. So that's when womanism come in, comes into play. Because it's not like feminists are saying, oh, my black counterpart, female counterpart, who has the same credentials or maybe even better credentials than I am, is making more. But a womanist would. You know what? A womanist would be the first one to point out that we not even the ones that's getting paid the least because Hispanic and immigrant women are the Mm -hmm. ones who are truly getting paid less. But you are absolutely right in that framework. And that is the whole point is the community behind it. So much so that like womenists and womenist programs often are support like grassroots organizations. So like grassroots organizations are like small churches down here in the South who historically were known for, you know, back in politics, like the SCLC, the Southern Council of Leadership. That's the one who was with Martin Luther King. Um, That's a grassroots organization. And it's because, again, it goes back to community. And I think that it's just, it's important. It is. 
Oh, it's a lot of stuff that's left out and missed in translation. Um, I heard it like this: like it's enough, it's not enough empathy in the world for a white woman to real or any person who doesn't have the same struggles as you to really understand what you're going through. So that's why womanism is so vital because if you're not speaking up for your own struggles and what you go through and the, the discrimination and discrepancies that you face, you can't expect anyone else to. So it's not enough empathy in the world for someone can, to fully understand the plight that we go through. You actually reminded me um, of a quote Alice Walker made in her book. Alice Walker is the one who coined the term womanism. Mm -hmm. And the author of The Color Purple. Yes. So, Ain't she from Mississippi as well? I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so shout out to the Mississippi bitches. Mm -hmm. Women. Yes, uh, P-shucking, uh, hell, uh, I don't know, uh -huh. hellcat driving, okay. uh, pig feet eating, mm -hmm. macaroni and cheese baking that bitches. We love y'all. Um, But Alice Walker wrote in her book, In Search of Our Mother's Garden, she said, feminism is to womanism as purple is to lavender. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so yes. poetic. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Because, if you get it. Tell me what you got. I feel like feminism covers a general problem of misogyny. But womanism goes more specific. As you go from purple to, la purple to lavender, you get more into a specific shade or color or hue of what's been going on. And that's what womanism does to feminism. It gives a more specific or a more precise outlook of specific of of women who aren't in the majority mm, that's powerful sister yeah but what you was gonna say i was gonna say what you said mm -hmm. sister because we little ladies of course we gonna put that together mm -hmm. yeah like-minded individuals so let's give a little bit more breath to alice walker and her work so like I said previously, the term womanism was coined by Alice Walker. And Alice Walker was a black feminist writer and an activist. And she wrote the book In Search of Our Mother's Garden, Womanist Prose. So when we talk about Alice Walker, we have to focus on her vision for womanism. And that vision was to create a movement that centered the experiences and perspectives of black women and girls, and also challenged the narrow exclusionary definitions of feminisms that dominated mainstream feminist movements. So in her book is another quote that I really, really love. She said, a womanist is a woman who loves women, whether that be sexually or non-sexually committed to the survival and wholeness of her entire people, male and female, not a separatist except for her health. So I, I really wanted to pull this quote because I think that's, number one, I have to say that if you are not a black woman, you cannot be a feminist. Like, you can be a man and be, well, you, if you are a black woman, you cannot be a woman. If you are a black woman, you can be a feminist, but no one else can be a, a. If you are a black, if you are a non-black person, you cannot be a womanist, but you can be a feminist. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are y'all following? Let us know. Put it in the comments. Drop it in the chat. Yeah, drop it in the chat. Uh -huh. Yeah. Put it in the comments. So... When we are when we're thinking about this, um, I think it's important to focus in the root of it, which is the love of other women, and that's sexually or non-sexually. Mm -hmm. Now, me, of course, 
I non-sexually like the women. <laughs> you and me both, baby. I love black women. Black women are so nice to be around when they are on the same wavelength as you. Mm-hmm. Um, it don't matter where you at. If some shit going down, yeah. black women gonna link up. Girl, let me tell you, when I went to Guatemala for spring break, I was what I had went to like this bar club type thing, and it was like four other black women. The way we didn't know each other. And was from somewhere everywhere. I was from Mississippi. Another girl was from Knoxville. Another girl was from Charlotte. Another girl was from Canada. And it was two sisters from New York. Then none of us know each other. Mm-hmm. Except for the sisters and me and um, one of my classmates that went. And we was all in the middle of the dance floor. Together. Dancing, giving each other hugs. They was like, oh my gosh, Alex, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know them. Uh-uh. But it's just the way black women connect. What? And I love it. I'm going to tell you. All around the world. Their head nod is universal. Yes, it is. I actually just met um, a black woman who was born in Jamaica, but lives in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and she was probably 20 years older than me. But like the um automatic embrace, mm-hmm. the love, like she and her the positivity, the bitch sounded like Naomi Campbell. Mm-hmm. And I just trusted her. Uh-huh. I felt like she gave really good advice mm-hmm. just based off the accent alone. Yeah. But you know, I don't feel like other groups of people get that. I don't know. I don't know if we cherish it more because we lack it in other places that when we do see another black woman, it's like it's like we see it out of eye. We like see this. each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I just love black women. But my my thing is, um, amongst black women who are not as highly educated or a little bit more impoverished, is like that whole crab in the barrel mentality. When when they don't know better, it's like they always pulling people down or demeaning people, and that really hurts my soul because I want to love all black women upon encountering. I don't want no smoke with no black women. Yeah. But I also feel like this still just not representative of all women in that category. That's very, very so, true. Because I do know a lot of women that's like from the bottom and they still like joys to be around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like it that what you just said kind of play into like the women or caddy type deal and that's not the case. It's not. I've been in groups, room full mm-hmm. of black women, gotten along perfectly great, yep. did not feel self-conscious mm-hmm. and you know, instead of being demeaned, I was definitely uplifted. Uh, most definitely and supported not just in that moment but for a lifetime yeah. after this. I don't shit my podcast wouldn't be nowhere if it weren't for the idea of women's mm-hmm. of Mississippi State in America. Okay, so you know, shout out to all of the yes. women. Shout out to black women. We love y'all. We love y'all all around for the world. world. If don't nobody tell y'all that they love y'all, the great sister said it here. Yes, and we know it to be real. Because the elder feminine is suppressed in Western culture, we're all missing grandmother. And added to that was the fact that this medicine, ayahuasca, that I was taking. Uh, has as its primary spirit that of the grandmother. And that spirit is the spirit that says, stop, don't drop bombs. Stop, feed all the children. Stop, do what is really good for all and not just. But to get back on topic, when Alice Walker visionized womanism, it was really to reclaim the histories and experiences of black women and the present and the past, just because, you know, history is written by the victors and black women oftentimes were not written in different type of historical narrative. So it's hard to find like different pieces of information of the day-to-day life of just regular black women. Mm-hmm. And that's not just with black women, it's all women but 
white white women or white passing women would have more of a chance to be historically included and written in a positive light. So she also wanted to build a movement that was grounded in a cultural and spiritual traditions of the black community. And she also emphasized this importance of community, sisterhood, social justice as these key components of womanism, activists and organizing. So her goal all in all was to create this inclusive intersectional group that focused on the liberation of all people not just black women not just black people mm -hmm. but all people and it was particularly for those who had been historically marginalized and oppressed and um you can see this with like the Tomahe River Collective have you ever heard of them? Mm -mm. So the Tomahe River Collective was a group of lesbian black women who formed in the 1970s. And they wrote these phenomenal pieces as a group about womanism, feminism. I um, think you mentioned it to me before. Yeah, because the bitches is five. They was all living together. Mm -hmm. They was gay. Mm -hmm. They was different. They was the black sheeps, plural. Uh -huh. Okay, they, they probably stayed together for like 10 years before they disbanded. But they wrote so much... Um, information about the ideas of womanism how to lift up black women as well as those historically marginalized groups mm -hmm. these gonna be the groups that support not just healthy women but like women who are handicapped mm -hmm. women who may not have children women who may have been in jail like and you know did you know that black women are the highest amount of women who are being incarcerated right now our rates are going up dramatically yeah, i believe it that's scary to think about so, like, these are the groups that's going to be thinking about the people that mm -hmm. nobody wants to think about. Yeah. If black women are free, everyone will be free. This is what the Kambahi River Collective argued in 1977. They were a group of queer black women who found it hard to separate their race from their class, from their gender, from their sexuality, because all of it operated simultaneously. They were oppressed on every front. I mean, they were left out of the male-dominated civil rights movement and the white-dominated feminist movement. They were also left out of these movements because they were both heteronormative, meaning everybody was straight or pretended to be and sidelined any issues that queer people brought up. So in 1973, a group of black lesbians formed this collective named after the Kambahi River Raid where Harriet Tubman freed 700 slaves. And today it's kind of common to talk about intersectionality, but these black women in Boston spent years thinking about how all these different identities, race, class, gender, sexuality, played a role in their lives and in their politics. So if the systems that oppress these part of their lives are eliminated, then they can't oppress anybody else. That's why if black women are free, everyone will be free. So my question to you is, is what are some of the most common negative stereotypes that black women and black girls face and how do those stereotypes basically impact their lives and their experiences? I know one that both of us have experienced is like the angry black woman stereotype that black women are just confrontational, argumentative, hard to get along with and things like that. And I remember the first time I experienced it. And if you know me, I'm, the, you know, I'm like the most even tempered, easy going person ever. So real calm, uh -huh. real chill. And so when I experienced it, obviously it was from someone that didn't know me. And they was just trying to like calm me down. And I'm like, I'm not even hyped for you for you to calm me down. But it's Is just you gonna tell the people what happened? Cause <laughs> I don't even think I done heard about this. I probably have told you. Okay. So I was at work 
And um, we were short staff, so they had some temporary workers come in. And this guy, I think he had a family emergency or he had to like go to another job or something like that. But for whatever reason, he had to leave the job early. And so I was a buffet attendant. And so his station was like hot food. And at a certain time, the hot food station closes and it's only snacks. And so um, the time had came where it was time for his station to be taken down. And he was gone, so it really didn't matter whether the food was being served or not because it was time to be taken down. Mm -hmm. And um, Big Boss, no, (laughs) it came running up like I need to watch the station. I'm like, first, it's physically impossible for me to run two stations, like, like physically, this not gonna happen. Yes, it's not like these are together. These are two separate entities on two different locations, and it's only one of you. Uh huh. And it was like during COVID time. So I had to serve the people. They tell me what they want and I serve in this and that. And um, I was just like, no, I was t- trying to tell him that it was time to be taken down. He was like, no, no, um, calm down. It's okay. Uh, handle it and this and that. I'm like, you so got in your mind so much about that I'm confrontational. You already see me like that, that you won't even take the time to listen to understand that you wrong. Like you in so much of a hurry and frantic about this boy leaving that you don't even realize like everything is cool. You ain't even got the word. But see, I'm so calm that I know this. You so chill. You already know I what already time got it is. I'm not worried about nothing. Uh-huh. I'm here for my chick. You here for that Skrilla. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, um, I feel like that was the first, like, I'm not even explaining it fully, but yeah, he was just like, his response was really kind of demeaning. And that was like the first time I really just experienced that black angry stereotype being put upon me of all people, big sister. No. And I feel like that, that, yes, girl. And I feel like that stereotype is so impactful to black women because it really belittles it. It really... Like, even me and all the other women out there who are non-confrontational, who want no smoke, who are shy and soft-spoken, um, people come to you like you the problem, and that's not the case at all. So it really puts all of us in a box and makes us into a monolith that we just unhappy all the time, emotionally immature, anytime a problem arise, we pr- prone to, like, be confrontational. We always agitated and easily disturbed and stuff like that. And I also feel like oftentimes when that happen, like people try to gang up on black women when uh-huh. a problem comes, it's like they try to control the narrative as to what's going on instead of actually listening to what mm-hmm. black women experience. And because we are usually the minority in the room, we don't have the advocates to stand up and be like, oh, y'all was wrong. Because I feel like before my graduate school experience of me being one of the very few black women in the room, it really taught me the importance of one sticking together with the other black people that's around, but also noticing when it's microaggressions and stuff happening towards you. Cause I feel like if I would have came in with the mindset, if I had the mindset that I had in the past, um, if I had seen stuff like that, I would have took it as, Oh, Maybe I misunderstood. Mm. Maybe I took it wrong. Mm-mm. And you got to understand, you're not the problem. No, you're not the problem. Systemic racism is the problem. Yes. And another thing from school, we had Tabitha Brown come speak to us at a symposium. And Morgan, I'll send you this um, video to play for the listeners. But she was basically like, she had to learn within herself, being one of the few black women in her field as an early black vegan, that she's not the problem when she's experienced racism, that she is not the problem. That problem is put on her by other people. Mm-hmm. And she learned that if anybody is going to be comfortable, it don't need to be her. If anybody's going to be uncomfortable, it don't need to be her. Snaps for you, mm-hmm. bad bitch. 
have experienced racism even more so in California, right? It, it doesn't, it, 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 it's not in one place. It's everywhere. But what I realize is I'm not part of the problem. So I'm always gonna show up as this tab and proudly be heard. Because for a very long time, I did not. Very long time, I code switched. I, I conformed. I did everything to make others comfortable. And what I realized in doing so, that meant I was not free. Because when we start to conform, and we start to uh, do the dance, thinking that that's our only way to survive, it empowers them, right? But when you say, oh, wait a minute, that's not freedom. I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna speak up, and I'm gonna fill the space that I'm in, no matter what. That's what changes. And I'm a representation of that. So because of my strength to show up and be free, somebody else will look at me and say, wait, I can do that too. And then it becomes like a domino thing, we all right. do it. And then they lose power eventually, right? So we all just gotta get to the understanding of we all can show up. When something is wrong, we speak on it, right? We don't just conform to it. And it's okay. And if somebody is uncomfortable, make sure it's not you. See, it's interesting that you represent the very quiet and meek and mild black women uh -huh. because I represent the loud and brash black women. You know, the motherfuckers that ain't got no problem getting some shit up off uh -huh. their chest, saying what need to be said and da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. But it's crazy for us to be on two different sides of the spectrum. We still go through the exact, exact things because of these stereotypes. Mm -hmm. like, I get called aggressive a lot, mm -hmm. and I personally do not feel as if I'm an aggressive person yes. and it really it pisses me off because I'm actually very very chill in my personal life if mm -hmm. you catch me off I'm probably chilling I'm on TikTok I'm reading something or I'm like you know I'm, mm -hmm. I'm tending to my garden you yeah. know I'm actually minding my black on beat. okay I'm a piece I'm a nice young lady mm -hmm. and I feel like that is the reason why I say that so much it's almost like I'm trying to prove to other people that I'm a nice young lady and I feel like a lot of it has to do number one just based off of my appearance mm -hmm. and the way that I'm built because um apparent I'm already like I'm plus size so I'm already bigger than the average white woman mm -hmm. so when that bitch see me she already a little scared yeah. look and then I'm pretty and I'm confident mm -hmm. and I speak up and I'm very passionate mm -hmm. and it's like a lot of people confuse passion with aggression yeah. you know what Alex um sidebar so Marjorie Taylor Greene she is a uh, a state representative in Georgia. She's a white alabaster uh, rice leech. And she just got into it with a black representative. I want to say he's somewhere up north. I feel threatened by him yelling, shouting, raising his voice. He has aggressive, uh, his physical mannerisms are aggressive. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, it's so nonsensical that it's comical. Uh, you can see clearly in the video that we were like, playfully jousting yes, with each other she was laughing i was laughing we were talking about each other's party and certain issues um so the the demeanor and the disposition you know on the steps it was it was it was playful we were we were going yeah. after each other yeah. so for her the next morning to say what she said 
I mean, it's a complete 180, number one. It's no longer comical now because now you are using historical racist tropes toward black men, menacing his mannerisms. I'm afraid that's the stuff that got, you know, Trayvon Martin killed, Tamir Rice killed, yeah. uh, Michael Brown killed. I mean, I believe Officer Darren Smith li- literally talked about his presence and his strength as an excuse for killing him. And this has happened to black men historically. And so now we're in a dangerous space. And that's why I wanted to be really, really clear uh, to reporters today how reckless and dangerous her statements were. And she should know better. I believe she knows better. This is another reason why we need to teach the accurate uh, history of America in our schools and make sure African-American history is a part of that because uh, her rhetoric and her behavior in Congress outside of me, pictures with the AR-15 with the squad behind her, uh, chasing David Hogg and, and, and stalking him uh, as he engaged in activism around gun violence. Uh, her rhetoric, her language, her behavior has been aggressive and intimidating since she's gotten into Congress. Now she's trying to displace it onto me. Um- I want to say also that if, if this gesture, which you were doing, is aggressive, then I'm the all all of my paisans are, right, right. are in trouble. That's New York City right there. So he was talking to her and she was talking to him. And, um, you know, that bitch like the lie. She like everything just come up off her tongue. You just don't believe mm-hmm. it. If she say the sky is blue, bitch, you better check to see if they're motherfucking green. Because you can't trust nothing mm-hmm. that come out of her mouth. Generations of black and Hispanic men. Do you want to know what holds them down? Gangs. Being in gangs and dealing drugs is what holds them down. The lack of education is what hold, holds them down. That's, that's not a, a white person thing, but gangs control them. They, they tell them, they tell the young men in their communities, don't go to school. Don't you, no, don't you, don't you move out of, this, out of this project. Don't you move out of this community. You join this gang, and that's where you belong. You belong with us. The gangs are holding them back. It's not white people. It's it's crazy. So she get on the internet and call this man aggressive, say she feel physically threatened, mm-hmm. all this shit. They were sitting up there joking, making a fucking joke, and she just took it and ran with it. Just because because she's a white woman, she like she utilized that to her advantage mm-hmm. to prove the narrative that she wanted. And I feel that way often. I feel like because I speak my mind and because I speak up for myself, I feel like people feel the need to already come at me times ten. Mm-hmm. Like if it, if you might have smoke with somebody, they might not never say nothing to you because mm-hmm. they know you a real nice young lady, you mm-hmm. real peaceful. If there, somebody got a problem with me, they come at me with the full force of the ancestors. Mm-hmm. They bringing they back, they putting on the whole arm of God, and they coming at me swinging because they scared because I'm a threat. But I personally still do not think that I'm aggressive. Mm-hmm. I just speak my mind. So yes, I, I, and that's why I said I feel like in those instances, people like try to co- collab with each other to bring black women down. I've seen this so much with people like come together. If it's a group and it's one black mm-hmm. woman, the black woman is always the lone wolf in a in a situation. Good, they be so motherfucking scared. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they just let you know how much power you yes. got. Like but it take all these people to bring try to bring you down. Cause you ain't even got to tell me. I know my name done been in a couple group chats. Okay. I know that they done had after work meetings about me. me. I know, I right, know they have done that, and it's because I'm an intimidation to them because I walk in my truth. Mm-hmm. 
because you really do like me, but you can't say it. You really do appreciate me, but you can't say it. And when you are on this part of the intersection, you ain't got no choice but to walk in yeah. your truth because you don't have no other choice. Like, I'm black. When you look at me, I can't mm -hmm. hide the fact that I'm black. Mm -hmm. My hair scream nigger. My fucking shirt scream. My body shape mm -hmm. scream southern black woman. I can't help Accent, that. Accent. Way I talk lingo. The food I eat. Mm -hmm. Facial features. Facial expressions. Full, full lips, full nose. Terms in language, terminology. Mm -hmm. They know I'm a nigga. So, you know, I, I mean. I, I couldn't hide this if I wanted to. I don't, but I couldn't hide it if I wanted to. Girl, thing. who is you telling, baby? These hips came from Louisiana and this mouth came from Mississippi. You better ask somebody. Now, when we're talking about stereotypes, you know, once one stereotype that I feel like a lot of black women share, all black women say, when I first met you, I thought you was bougie. I thought you was stuck up. I thought you was mean. But now that I'm getting to know you, mm -hmm. you're actually a nice person. And um, I got that a lot when I was growing up, believe it or not. Um, because I have like this real bad rest and bitch face, you right? Think so? I know so. Um I don't I, know. I guess it's because I know you I don't see it. I, I don't see it either, but I promise you the amount of times people say it to me, I know it's a fact. It's because my face so fat, like it take a lot of energy to hold all that weight up and pitch Morgan, it up stop into it. Us. You talking like your face just sit on the floor. My <laughs> face so fat, it takes so much to hold it up. Cause that collagen ain't no joke. So like in the meantime and in between time, that bitch just be resting. Mm -hmm. It just be sitting. And then when you come up and talk to me and I read your energy, then I decide whether or not mm -hmm. I want to be a nice young lady or a real mean bitch. It just depends on how I'm feeling in the mm -hmm. moment. But I really, I'm not bougie. If anything, I'm country as hell. I think I am too, but apparently I'm not Morgan. I've been getting so, especially, I don't know, within the past couple of years, I've definitely been getting, um, I'm bougie and all that, and, or just so proper. And I'm like, oh, y'all just don't even know. No, they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, how do they not know just based off of hearing you talk? I guess the accent ain't a little Morgan. And then I always tell people, I be like, yeah, my sister sound like a Negro slave. And I be telling people you be then that's the truth, Alex. I don't think I sound. You sound bad. like the elder great Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. You sound like you could lead niggas to freedom. I could. Y'all know it, bitch. Leave your nigga at home and come on to the freedom. But I've always, just based off of the way that I dress, people be like, you so bougie, you so expensive. Mm -hmm. I am expensive. But, like, people always make it sound like, you know, I'm just so unapproachable and they were so mm -hmm. scared. So that's why I'm always the first person kind of to, like, reach out to people. Mm -hmm. I'll talk to a doorknob. I will argue with a stop sign. I'll do whatever because I know that's how people be feeling when they come around me. People really do be scared. I know these niggas be scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My God. Mm. I also wanted to talk about like the hypersexualization of black women too, because mm -hmm. it is another stereotype that black women often are is forced upon mm -hmm. them. And oftentimes this shit start in the black community and it comes outwardly. Yeah. And um before we get into it, I just want to say that like these negative stereotypes that we are discussing are things that are not only supported within womanism, but they counteract and provide different solutions different ways to look at things and that's why it's so important to have these conversations like this but please tell me um your thoughts on hypersexuality 
I just, I mean, as we all know, black women are hypersexualized, even as a young age. Just like little girls being called fast when they just being little girls. Like, you ever seen a, a just a child, not even a, a little girl, just a child dancing, and they shake their little butt, and they just got a pimp on them. It ain't like they know what they doing or nothing, but they'll get labeled as fast and twerking and this. No, the baby can barely walk. They just doing a little one-two little shake, but it's just how that's portrayed on little kids so early. I've heard infants called manish what i have morgan i've heard this recently within the past week what <laughs> infants morgan children babies that can't even walk the whole they still on the nipple mm -hmm. my god yeah it's it's crazy that people really think like that and then they continue these problems within society by calling their own children or people or children in general these names are giving them these labels and stuff like it's, I, it's weird to me i also think that when we think about um black women and particularly being hypersexualized i feel like at a young age black women are given a higher level of responsibility and more expectations mm -hmm. than other black people are um i know that there's a statistic that like black children black girls are probably suspended more often mm -hmm. than other black children and it's because they hold them to a higher expectation yeah. they expect motherfuckers to know shit yeah even just going back to a school dress code type type deal the black girls would get sent home way more than the white girls would and they would have on the same thing but because we made curvier and stuff like that or we had or our bodies was developed more it was a problem if we had on tights. Like, if we gonna hold these standards, if we gonna hold these truth evidence to all women, mm, if all women, made equal uh -huh. under the, the guise of peace, if we gonna live under feminism, then all women should be treated equally and the same because we women. Then let's live by that. Then I definitely remember the time when I was in um, school for fashion, and I definitely had a, t a problem with my white teacher who was from Canada, and um, she always had this big ass issue with the way that I wore my clothes now we definitely went to a PWI for undergraduate and there's a shit ton of more white women than they are black women and I've definitely seen the under part of a lot of booty cheeks uh -huh. up under these little bitty ass shirts I have questioned whether or not white women have had shorts on up under these big ass t-shirts I've definitely seen some titty some all types mm -hmm. of stuff and and that because they if I wore something I just so happen to have more body mm -hmm. i did not choose to have this physique mm -hmm. i did not choose for my hips to be made up like this my breasts my stomach my face nothing I what you be saying am i showing it or is it just there that, that what i'm saying like am i am i showing my titties or is my titties just there and you just so happen to be the observer mm -hmm. of them titties you get what i'm saying because i can't help that that's how my body sit up in these clothes but she would go to my um the president of the university and tell him I won't wear no underwear. Girl, why is she looking all in between my goodies like that? Mm, mm, mm. My God. And she would always complain about my clothes being too short and all that other stuff. And, you know, I like to be a little risque, but mm -hmm. I just have never had nobody had that type of response to me. Even when we, us two, dress risque in quotes, it's never nothing outlandish. No. It's never like we in a whole see-through dress oh, or nothing body like that. tights, body stockings. Uh -huh. No, you remember that time we had went to um, fucking Lowe's and we both had on them nice outfits and somebody stopped us and was just so shocked that you had on some nice ass. Do you remember what I, I'm talking about? I remember about? exactly what you're talking and about. And that's just wild to me because if you ask us, we was just wearing clothes mm -hmm. that day. Folks just be having too much free time. I guess so.
I don't really know if you have an opinion on this question, but I am excited to ask you this. So the question is, are what are some examples of womanist activism and organizing and how do they differ from feminist activism and organizing? I don't know any off the top of my head, so I ain't gonna hold you. You know what's funny? Okay, so last year we definitely had the abortion ban and we're gonna bring it full circle again. So you remember how the white women they was they was crying, girl. They was so sad. Mm-hmm. And we was calm. We've we, seen it all this time. We did. I am yeah, I had been talking about it probably months prior before and I don't think nobody was listening to me. So remember like in July they decided that they were going to organize and protests. You remember that? They had got their little pink poster boards and they put little glitter on it. Aww, they used the little glitter pen. Yeah, they used their nice cursive handwriting. My body, my choice. They had the white pants on, put a little blood in the crotch seat. Mm. So creative. I ain't seen that before. You ain't seen that before. They so ooh, innovative. And I love that, you know, match cowboy boots, match cowboy hats, boot boot boot. And um, you know, after they did they little protest, nothing happened. Can what? you can you get abortion state of Mississippi? What? Nothing no. happened, nothing changed. No. Say it ain't so, boy. Oh, it ain't so. I can't go to Little Pink House. No, you can't go to no abortion. Parent, 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 who am I at, girl? <laughs> girl, they got up there. They said, we're going to get together. And they got on the internet. They said, all of us women, we need to come together. We need to stand up for each other. Guess what they say? Yeah. They liked it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nothing changed. So, like, that is an example of how when women is black women protest, it actually has momentum and movement compared to them and their protesting. Demonstration. Demonstration. Because uh, I also remember um, last year they had two white women. They went to go protest environmental factors. And they went environmental factors, environmental racism. Oh, okay. They was upset because they was cutting down too many trees, mm-hmm. too many trees. So what they did was they had went to the Louvre up there in Paris, mm-hmm. and they went to the Mona Lisa, the actual one, mm-hmm. and they threw a can. I remember that. They were right out there. Head came back from from the Louvre. Well, let me fi- let me finish telling the people what they did, bitch. You just cut a bitch off. I'm sorry, I had to flex a little. Bit. Okay, Alex. Goddamn. <laughs> um, they went to the Louvre and they threw a can of Campbell's um tomato soup mm. up there. Up there. Ain't no cream of mushrooms. No. It would have stuck in the bottle. No chicken noodle, nothing, mm-hmm. girl. Mm-mm. They got the tomato and they, they know some I don't. Well, they know what the inside of a jail look like mm-hmm. and you don't. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. So that and it just has no momentum. It stops there. Mm-hmm. So you and then you can look at that and compare it to like things like um Black Lives Matter. Even though them bitches had us out here looking crazy. Um, for those who don't know, the founders of Black Black Lives Matter, um, were three black women and they used the funds to um buy homes and Instagram um um likes and uh fashion over deals and clothes and fake fingernails and eyelashes mm-hmm. and such. So even though they did that shit with the money, which is obviously okay because Donald Trump be doing the same thing with his money. Um these bitches 
like when they actually did something there was actual like results that happened mm-hmm. right and yeah. you also have to focus on the fact that when black people and black women do activism it's also rooted in years and years of community work mm-hmm. right so we have a, a network a system of black people that we've worked with for decades our families have worked with for decades and we know who to call upon when certain shit go on because this is a tradition that is mm-hmm. practiced within our community all they got is friends and acquaintances and friends on facebook that's and some glitter pins and some pink poster boards mm-hmm. and some stickers that's the difference mm-hmm. i came up with that on my own good job that was a good one Can i hope i hope everybody called it. yeah yeah well Play you, back. hey you know this right here is for the niggas in the back mm-hmm. So when we are talking about womanism, I also think it's important to uh, place an emphasis on the fact that womanism does center the experiences as well as the perspectives of African and African-American diasporic women. And, you know, I don't really know if that's something that is like done in other communities, but that shows like the inclusiveness of um the womanist community as a whole and it helps to build like way more inclusive and intersectional movements right Mm -hmm. so just like you were talking about earlier about how we're on two different sides of the spectrum when when we go across the aisle and extend a hand to someone who might not be a part of our immediate community Mm -hmm. but is still up under the brand or the umbrella of being african diasporic Mm -hmm. you know like that really does (laughs) it it really does it helps it helps a lot with um combating those negative stereotypes because we might be in different places but to some degree or another we all have experienced similar Mm -hmm. shit and you said that on another podcast i think it was the one with aspen you was like um or y'all said that all black women experience the same thing it's just different severities and at different times in our lives and this this exact same point you're making now yeah and it's very true um i just feel like when we specifically talk about the women, I think that African-American women are more realistic about what the fuck be going on. Mm-hmm. I think that once we start talking about different women within different... I feel like other women be living in delusion. Like, yeah. And uh, I'm probably going to piss a couple people off when I be saying, when I say this shit. But like the black women over there in them islands and stuff, mm-hmm. that um, they only Haitian, they not black, delusional. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you don't see it. I mean, <laughs> I ain't trying to say too much, but when international people come over here, they really don't be considering themselves black. And it's like, I understand that you know your heritage and your culture and everything, but to other people, you still just a nigga. What, oh, Alex? And I'm a nigga, and I know my heritage and my culture. I be sitting up here talking about it weekly. Oh, I don't. You don't know nothing. I don't know where I come from. Where yo yo? Who I'm your mama Belva. them? Who your mom and them? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know what tribe I come from. Where your granddaddy? Morgan. Um, I know this is completely off topic, and maybe are you interested in learning like where you come from? Because I'm not. I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what point does it make at this age? I was I was with some other people, some non-black people, and they was all talking about um where their ancestors were from, what part of a um Europe and this and that. And I was like, you know, I have no interest in learning. Mm-mm. 
I know my family. <laughs> I love oh, my, my family. family. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe this is maybe y'all curious. I don't know. I don't really care. I'm not. I'm straight on learning my. Well, number one, I feel like all black people have a distrust and distrust in like those, those type di- yes, DNA yeah. platforms and stuff like that. Number two, I know um, the conspiracy theorists say that we got something special in our bloodline mm-hmm. and they looking for it. So, you okay. know, if you just randomly handing out, you know, the gold and the ticket or whatever, they going to come, you know. But I also heard that it's only X amount of the percent, some small amount of the percentage that has to do for they to have everybody because you know we you know after so many generations like we all related you know mm-hmm. so there's like if x amount of the population do what they have enough oh, i don't know it ain't us it won't be our community <laughs> uh-uh. going it yeah. ain't like i feel out the survey that's like how niggas went trying to get that covid vaccine <laughs> <laughs> i am niggas <laughs> i am too and i'm bad about that i'm bad about it i'm mad and i ain't mad about it matter of fact i sing about it i sing about it i sing about it Alex, how can womanism help us rethink and challenge these dominant narratives about gender and race and power? Yes, I feel like first you got to acknowledge feminism if you're not already. You got to acknowledge that there's differences between men and women. Um, That's another conversation to go on um, about the half and half stuff. But anyway. You heard Gabrielle Union. Girl, and I'm not her. <laughs> That bitch said people won't eat. Call me Savannah Boo. Um, you said Lori. Hey, <laughs> I said what I said. Um, but secondly, once you acknowledge that, you got to acknowledge that this is even more problems within feminism. They got to be acknowledged through womanism. You got to acknowledge that this different set of problems that marginalized groups of women go through. And when you see that, oh, it's two black women right here telling you the problems that we face as black women, how we have to deal with people automatically thinking that we are confrontational and we are so reactive to stuff and lack the capacity to handle things in a mature way. You know, once you kind of see that and you rethink yourself, oh, I have been kind of portraying this stereotype. I have been egging it on thinking that 
this girl was going to be some type of way, um, or react a certain type of way to it. And she didn't. Once you kind of see the points where we coming from and the listen, really listen to the discussion we've had, you'll see that womanism is very important. And you really need to rethink all these stereotypes that you've had about black women in general and just other marginalized groups of women, because that's what womanism is all about. It's just speaking for those marginalized groups and every problem that they face in that, in the intersection that they face with being a woman on top of whatever demographic or minority group that they in and you know what what really made me what you made me think of is the need of black women within politics mm-hmm. in the political sphere yeah. like because black women are so far with everything it's, you need black women in every subject in yes. every area in every field you need it in doctors you need it in lawyers yes you know you need it in your financial people need you need it your women entertainment who are womenists like we yeah. need black women who know more about this idea mm-hmm. ideology that are open and understanding yeah. and are willing to speak up and center the experiences and livelihoods of black women just like childbirth you know and child mortality rates and women who died giving birth and this and that i mean it's we already know it's extremely higher for black women than it is for non-black women. Uh-huh. But until you really un- understand and recognize and acknowledge these problems, it's going to continue to be a problem because we focus on the broader picture of feminism instead of focusing on the more specific problem of womanism. Yes. Or not not the problem, problem, but, but solution, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, when I was talking about women in politics, like like I was saying, like we live so far down on the intersection, we have a very realistic perception mm-hmm. of what is truly going on with the community. We also know when things are going to happen a way long time before the shit mm-hmm. actually happened. And you know That's because we living through it. We are living through it. We're not so far it. from removed that we don't know what's going on and see the impacts of things and we also have come up with like a sociable way to be able to combat and speak out about it mm-hmm. like we have generations of women who have done the work and created a, a rule book a blueprint on how to go about activism how to go about speaking for people as well as for um advocating for oneself so i think that when we are thinking about challenging those narratives i want to see a black woman as president honestly i feel like that's a reflection as to why people hate Kamala Harris so much because Kamala really hasn't done anything wrong because she's a black woman they won't even put her in the fucking media the way that she's supposed to be placed in the media and people have been just looking over the stuff that she does I've been seeing Kamala in the media so much as of recently she was on um what's that girl that um do them parking lot reviews and stuff every Friday I'm I know who you talking about I'm I don't keep know it her black, name but I'm gonna keep, keep it brief. brief she just did an interview with okay. and then Kamala Harris and then Kamala Harris did another interview with like uh bbc news talking about um when the debt ceiling and shit like Mm -hmm. kamala be moving they just won't let us see it yeah but and it's i feel like it's been no other vice president that been in the line like like kamala because she's a black woman like most criticism most times that i see kamala in the media it's never anything good it's it's like criticizing the work that she's done so i feel like that that goes to show like how black women are treated differently Oftentimes, when it comes to a black woman speaking up and speaking out, it goes unheard until she dies. Then once she dies, then we go back and say, well, she was right and let's make a movie about it. See, I can give you their names, Eartha Kitt. I can give you their names, Hazel Scott. I can give you their names, Fannie Lou Hamer. I can give you their names, Hattie McDaniel. 
All of those women took a stand. And all of those women left here heartbroken, unhealthy, looking at a community saying, y'all know I'm right, but why won't anybody say anything? People will ask me, do you dislike or are you, do you hate Oprah and Tyler and Lee? No, let me be clear. I love those people. We love those people. My husband and I love, they are our brothers and sisters. Mm. And as my husband always say, mama, we ain't calling nobody out. We simply calling them up to say, listen, let's make our community better by making it right. Not keep running and hiding behind what you consider is your power. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to the real niggas. Shout out to the real niggas. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. You are obsessed and sick. And we are back with the big black shout out, the blackest shout out in the world. The big black shout out is an opportunity to help circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. So Alice, baby, who would you like to shout out today? Okay, y'all. So a lot of these is like based out of Nashville. So if you ever in the area or you in the area now, definitely check these folks out. That's Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. So... First, I got my makeup artist for my graduation pictures, y'all. I ain't dropped them yet, but please, fool with your girl when she drop them. Follow me on Instagram at Wavy Alice. But my makeup artist did me right. She was so sweet. And I know anytime I was getting my makeup done in Starville, the girls be taking forever more. You be late for your appointment. As in, we both was late for graduation dealing with these folks. I'm going to leave that alone. But the girls be taking them in. And my girl got me in my appointment in the time that her booking site say. Okay. Yes. Um, and so her Instagram is Monet's Vanity. That's M-O-N-A-E-T-S-V-A-N-I-T-Y. She was so sweet, y'all. She had the little music going. I told her her music taste was good. Um, she did a great job with the makeup. Look at her Instagram page. The girls be eating. She be doing this right. She's so sweet. Well, shout out to Monet. I'm sure she's a nice young lady. Okay. So next. We got the girl that did my hair. I know last time I was on this podcast, we talked about natural hair. And I talked about the girl who did my first wig and saw, but I ain't never get a chance to shout her out. And when she did my wig for my birthday back in December, you couldn't tell me when it wasn't giving scalp. Not scalp, Yana. You couldn't tell me. Girl, not you Brazilian You could tell quarter. me, but I wasn't going to believe it. Oh, girl, no. She did me right. And you know I got a lot of hair. And she had my stuff laid down flat. It don't it don't matter how much hair you got or how much hair you don't have. Ooh. She gonna get you right. So her her name is Yana and her Instagram is Body by Yana. This B O D I D E. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Let me start over. B O D I E D B Y D Y H A N N A. Shout out to Mississippi <laughs> School Education and shout they out to Yana. Yes, yes, they did. But Yana got me right. And that was my first time getting a wig. So I really didn't know, just like with my makeup, she was asking me, did I want this and that? I'm like, girl, I don't know what that means. But she was patient with me. Both of them was real patient with me. It was like, okay, let me explain this. This is how you need to take care of it and this and that. So shout out to Yana because she was teaching me the products that I needed to make sure that my lace stayed down and was just telling me how to make sure that my hair was taken care of while it was in my head. Yes. And it looked so good. Amen. Okay. So next, I got a couple restaurants. 
people always going to Nashville like, Alex, you know, put me on. Where you be eating at this and that? And you know I only eat at the black-owned spots. Come on now. Bitch, you don't be at no um, Christian chicken. You don't be at Christian chicken. Hey, what is it? That's Chick-fil-A. Uh-uh. You ain't never <laughs> seen my car in no Chick-fil-A parking lot. <laughs> Christian chicken. Okay, so... Back in February, I was put on this event called Black Jeopardy for my grad school's, um, you know, Black History Month event. And we have a Black Jeopardy every year. So we got some food catered. And since I was over the event, you know, I was talking to the owner of this restaurant called Germantown Pub in Nashville. And they serve, like, bar food, like, wings, um, chicken strips, and all that, y'all. But it's not no basic wings and chicken strips i'm telling you mm. they black owned the service is impeccable i went up i went in there twice to try to get some food on my own outside of this event and they was packed for one i could barely get in the dough just full of niggas which i love to see especially in nashville because it's not too many places you can go where you can just see only black people so that's another thing if you just want to vibe um but secondly, all the waitresses and staff and everybody was so sweet. They helped me when I had my event. They carried everything to the car. So Germantown Pub, hit them up if you're in Nashville. It's also a black restaurant called Soul. Soul is cool. Nice music, live music. It's a vibe. And my favorite restaurant in Nashville is called Rhythm and Spice. It's like Caribbean type food. Um, you can get you some jerk chicken, oxtails. You can even get some goat if you want to, y'all. Different types of rice, you know, mm. it's, it's immaculate. Plantains, rhythm and spice. Well, shout out to all the black restaurants out in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, if you have a black owned business or you know someone with a black owned business, make sure you're emailing me at the Afrocentric Podcast. Please forgive me for any sins in which I committed. Those I know of and those I don't know of, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for beating this bitch ass today, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for thinking about beating her ass again, Lord. Please rebuke all these demons that's in this house, Lord. I pray unto you, really Lord. Necessary? And we are back here at the Afrocentric Zion Church of God and Revelation. And, and for those who don't know about this here altar call, it is a final segment for any podcast episode. And me and my sister in Christ, Sister Alex, is here to let people know that we are here and we are yet fasting and praying for your goodness and mercy. And this here is an opportunity for you to get your prayer on. Father God, we are coming to you unadulterated, unsaturated, and pure, asking for you to bless the state of Florida. Yes, Lord, uh, the governor Ronald DeSantis said that um, no more immigrants, dear Lord, and all the immigrants have packed up and they have moved, Lord. We are simply asking that Jesus be a but we are also asking that Jesus don't allow nobody to build no more walls. Yes, Jesus. Um, we are also praying for the NAACP as they are fighting against uh, wickedness mm-hmm. and, 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 and principalities and high places. In low places as 
well uh-huh. that NAACP has asked that all of the Negroes and Negro adjacents stay away from the state of Florida. Thank you, because God is good. And he is always on time. So, you know, if you are an immigrant, make sure you leave on time before shit get bad. Oh, Lord, I'm still in church. Yes, Lord. We are also reminded that Ron DeSantis is suing Disney World. And Disney World is suing back. Now, I've never seen a man fight a rat and the rat win. But, Lord, you can do anything. God can move mountains. He can. He can make miracles. He do. And he can make a way out of no way. Yes, he does. So if you want to see a white cat and mouse fight, please view the city and state of Florida. Not the city and state. In Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We are asking that the Lord delivers all the, the Floridians out similar to the way that Moses freed the Israelite from the hands of of the yes Lord also Jesus um, if you could call keep the dead ceiling from crashing that would be great God please let them forgive our student loans please father we not are not just them 10 and 20 thousand God but all of it yes lord because you paid for it on the cross mm-hmm. you paid it all Jesus yes touch their heart to give us reparations too father yes touch their mind so they know the shit they be saying is ignorant yes we have experienced so much once in a lifetime opportunities like the pandemic and if he can do it before Again. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Bless the, the college student with another cash app if you can, Father. Yes, or just a simple cash app. Uh-huh. We not too needed, Father. We know that we need to have faith the side of a sunflower seed. Mm-hmm. And we know you can do it. In Jesus' name we, we pray. pray. Amen. So this has been a beautiful conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah. I always enjoyed being a part of the Afrocentric podcast. Yeah, Alex, you in the motherfucking stool with the motherfucking queen. You fear me. Damn, we should have prayed for Roly. Oh, yes, girl. We need to pray for Zeus security and the damages that's about to, we about to witness in this reunion, baby. Alex, thank you so much for coming here. Uh, to be in, way. in support of the women's and the Negro women movement and the colored, colored women. women alliance, the women folks, yes, and the womanisms and fuck the feminisms in this, um, in Jesus' name. And you know, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being a civilized person having civilized conversations with me so thank you again for choosing to be afrocentric 
I just wanted to remind my listeners to remember that Black Lives Matter. Make sure that you listen and protect Black women and children. And the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is what Ellie be Black and die. And here at the Afrocentric Podcast, we just civilized people have a civilized conversation. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Let they heard that I commit murder. I body bitches, I don't need a burner. Queens, oh yes, I bet queens. Little white tee, plus some tight jeans. I make it hard for these chicks to breathe. Wrist on freeze, I freeze up my sleeve. We getting money like it grow on trees. Stay on my cues, I stay on my P's. After I'm done, and you will acknowledge I'm the president, never went to college. I'm a bad bitch, I don't need no stylist. Tell a bitch hollers when she get my dollars. Bitches talk slick, but what is you saying? Got the illest dude in the game. Ain't speaking my name, I'm the I'm the one, you heard me? Same number they stitched on McGrady jersey. Nooker.